What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of The Sheehan Show here on Shardog.com. And today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Danny McCormick for her big Invicta title fight against Valeska Machado. Coming up here, not not too far away now, Danny. We're getting we're getting close to it. Thanks very much for, for joining me today. How are you? Good. How are you getting on, Sean? I'm not too bad. No, I'm not too bad. It's a, it's a busy time for Irish MMA. I suppose we're getting into it. We want, your fight being one of the biggest fights of all, so it's... Uh, it's great to keep busy, and it's great to uh, it's great to have it, I suppose. And uh, I really want to get you you on to, to to talk to you about the fight, but also about like your whole career in general. Because I had John Cavan on, I know he was on with Ariel as well, and he said to the two of us, "Get get Danny on and ask her about her story. Ask her about coming up to me at the <laughs> Conor McGregor fight and all this." So, John, here you go. Here's the request: How did you get into MMA? How did that start? How did the whole at the Conor McGregor fight going up to John Cavan? I think how did that all work out, and how did it all play out? Yeah, so like the story is so long. So like, how far do you want me to go back? We have plenty of time. Go <laughs> as far as you want. <laughs> uh, so right, I'll try and like do it as quick as possible. So in 2015, uh, that year, I was graduating from college. So I'm I'm a physio, so I am um, a qualified physio, even though I don't do it anymore. I'm I'm retired, and uh, I that was my final year of college. So that year I like made a decision to get out of the horse racing industry. So I'd been working in the horse racing industry for six years and I was living in the car at the time. So that year was kind of like the big change year for me that I said, right, by the time I'm graduated, I want to be done with the horses and uh, do something different. So um, that like Christmas uh, of that year, I um, downloaded Tinder, so I did, because uh, I was having like a pretty rough time with my mental health. And uh, as a, a line I always use is when women have a tro- trouble with the mental health, usually what they do is try and get a man to um, fix their problems. So uh, Tinder was um, my my first protocol to try to uh, cheer myself up. So I swiped a fighter um, and I actually swiped someone that was in SPG and was training with Connor and coached by John and um, I I don't know why I swiped him or like I didn't know anything about MMA or fighting it was just pure accident and um, we met met up and went on a date and uh, he just spent the whole date talking about MMA and uh, Connor and SPG and I was like Jesus and I think the most I knew about MMA at the time was that I'd seen Connor on the Late Late Show or something like that. Maybe, maybe I hadn't, but I knew there was like a crazy Irish fella um, that used to do this cage fighting business, and I didn't really know anything else about it because I was just up to my eyeballs in in the horse race industry. So um, anyway, I says to him, oh, "Well, I'm thinking of leaving uh, the horses at the moment. I'm thinking of doing something new. Uh, this sounds great." You know, just me in a cage uh, versus another girl. Um, no horse, no money, no politics, no whatever else you need to get going in horse racing. That's all gone. So, um, you know, he took me seriously in fairness, the, the lad. And he said, yeah, there's a gym close by you in Nice. You should join and uh, should see how you get on. It's great, like lifestyle and whatever. He Like he encouraged me. So after that, we stayed friends, but nothing happened after the date. And I joined a gym in Nace that January. So I, of course, went straight, like head deep into it. Did like two hours the first night and went home and looked up like 
number one MMA girl and Ronda Rousey came up and that was the first time I knew about her and I was like all right okay I could definitely do this you know this Ronda Rousey girl seems to be doing pretty good for herself uh if I just work hard at this um I'll I'll be doing the same as her so uh, it was as simple as that for me and for the next six months I trained in NACE and uh you know got like a reasonable level of skills and started following UFC and Connor and all of uh, the above. So uh, then I, I graduated uh, that like July or whatever, or June or July, I'm not sure when it was, we graduated. And um, my brother said he was going to bring me on a trip around America to um, like celebrate. And uh, he knew I was into MMA now. And he'd been to a Conor McGregor fight already in Boston. And he says, right, we're going to finish the tour in Vegas and we're going to go to a McGregor fight. And I was like, great, this is brilliant. So we did all of that and ended up in, in Vegas. And I remember that was the first MMA fight I ever watched was, uh, or the first show I'd ever been to was Conor versus Mendes. And uh, it was just nuts, like crazy. I have never experienced anything like it since. Like the Aldo fight was great as well but I just remember the very first time I ever went to an MMA show was Conor versus Mendes and, and the whole <laughs> arena was Irish like yeah. the entire arena was just hooligans Irish hooligans go just losing their life and the MGM had all of these like parties going through it and the security guards were gone mad and you know there, there was no one like causing any big trouble or anything they were just like totally over the top. So um, I just thought it was great. And I was like so inspired. I just couldn't believe that this was like a secret that like no one in Ireland knew this was going on. Only the MMA community, like that this, it was like, uh, you know, this explosion was happening in Vegas with, with an Irish lad. So uh, the next day there was, we were in like a, a WhatsApp group or whatever. Uh, with other Irish people and there was rumours that John and Connor were going to be at this pool party and get in early and you'd get to meet them. So we went and we went in early and uh, there they they arrived and uh, we got pictures. So um, I got a picture of Connor and I we did, I didn't get to say anything to him. Like I think I said, well done, but there was just like a swarm of people around him. And then there was less people around John or there wasn't as big of a queue. And... Uh, he, uh, I just said to him, I do MMA, um, so I do, and I'm going to be a fighter in your gym one day. And uh, he said, okay. And I said, yeah, I will. And, uh, I, you know, I'll see you in a few months kind of thing. And uh, I, I think I, I can be a fighter as well. I think I can be like him, like Connor. And uh, I don't think I said to him that I think I could be a world champion, but I said something like that. And I think the story's like grown legs since then. So, um, yeah, that was it. And we took a picture. And um, from there, I decided I wouldn't come home to Ireland, that I was, my mind was blown by this Conor McGregor crack. And I just said to my brother, like, oh, I don't want to go home. Like, I'm having such a shit time with the horses and there's nothing for me at home. What will I do? And he's like, come to Canada with me and she'll train MMA for a few months and see how you get on. And I went from Vegas to Canada with no visa and with like one luggage bag and ended up staying for seven months. And then seven months later, I, I trained over there in a checkmat uh, in Vancouver. I actually trained with Tristan Conley. Um, so I did. I used to get a lift with him 
and another guy uh, to the gym because it was like an hour from from Vancouver. And um, then uh, about seven months later, I was again struggling with my mental health, really homesick, lonely, and uh, said to my brother, I'm going home and you can stay or you can come. I don't care, but I'm gone. Like I'm out the gap. And uh, that was it. Like a week later, two weeks later, I came home. And in January, I uh, joined SPG. And uh, that was it. But uh, John never knew uh, who I was until the World Championships in the IMAFs. So I never told him when I got back to SPG uh, or when I got into SPG, I never said, do you remember me or showed him the picture or anything? Because it'd be too cringe like. So um, no, he didn't find out anything to the night before the World Championships in, in Bahrain. My brother posted the picture and John seen it and uh, he, he was surprised. It's, I love those sort of stories, like, because it, I think a lot of the time, you know, with Connor, we forget about the inspiration he gives to people like you, and I know Ian Gary has talked about it, and loads of people, obviously, in SBG have talked about it, and, you know, we look at the scene on Irish MMA all the time, and we see all the fighters coming up, and it's like, oh, yeah, they've, they've sprung from nowhere, but there is a reason that all the fighters have sprung up, and it's kind of, it's, it's really cool to to hear those those stories, and thanks very much for telling us. I want to ask you just about the horse racing as well again, because, like, yeah. I, I don't know too much about the horse racing industry, only that Ireland is the best place in the world for the horse racing industry. So yeah. what exactly were you doing and how how much of like a high pressure industry is that for people, even like young people going up? Because I know a few lads from around here when they're like 16 and stuff and they go and, you know, they're they're working in the yard in different places. How, how tough is that a life, I suppose, for a young person? Yeah, like the reason why I ended up in the horse racing industry was um, I wanted to be a vet and I didn't get the points. And uh, I was like really sulking over that and didn't want to go to college, like point blank refused. And the next best thing for me was, right, well, I can't be a vet, so I can surely make it as a female jockey. And um, like, I'm pretty switched on. And I knew if you were going to be anywhere, you had to be in the Curra. So um, I started ringing Desi Hughes because the yard I worked for, um, a lad from Desi Hughes used to ride their horses in, in races. So that, that he was the only guy I knew. And I kept ringing Desi, ringing Desi, give me a job, give me a job. And uh, he kept saying no, because he didn't take on girls. And then he finally had a job going and he said, oh, I'll ring that girl from Roscommon who keeps annoying me. And he rang me and he gave me a job. So I, I ended up in the car in Desi Hughes' yard. There was me and one other girl and like 25 fellas and uh yeah i didn't realize how hardcore it was going to be like i think i was a bit delusional uh working in galway thinking it was going to be anywhere near the same level it's like being in a jiu-jitsu gym in i don't know kerry versus being in spg ireland and um, so yeah it was it was really intense I was, uh, I used to ride out the horses and uh, go to the races with them and, you know, look after them like a stable staff is what we were called. And then I got to ride in a few races, but it was very low key and what I got to, to do. He gave me a couple of opportunities, but um, I knew I wasn't good enough and he knew I wasn't good enough, but he, he gave me a chance and, you know, he, he gave me experiences more than anything. Um, but I knew the level of the girls was so high and I wasn't at that level. And then the level of the girls was nowhere near the level of the lads, like not a chance. So, um, yeah, it was it was really tough, but enjoyable six years. And I learned how to grind and how to work hard. And, 
you know, we started working at 7 a.m. and no matter what the rain, snow, whatever, we rode out every single day and we went home for two hours at lunchtime and we came back every evening. And we worked 13 days in a row with one day off. So, um, yeah, it was it was really intense, but it was a great time and it was a tough time. Um, I, I wouldn't go back and not do it. Like, I think I am who I am today because... Uh, you know, I, I did that and MMA is a walk in the park compared to that. Like people talk about getting injured in MMA and I'm like, you're so cute. Like a 60 kilo girl fell on top of you and you're complaining. I used to have like a 500 kilo horse fall on top of me regularly and we weren't allowed to complain. So, uh, yeah, it definitely toughened me up for, for this lifestyle. Women's sport has absolutely, you know, taken off in Ireland, but all over Europe, and I assume worldwide as well. I know you mentioned Ronda Rousey earlier on, but like, I see a lot of people talking about like, like you were in one sport, or maybe inspired by people, and they moved to another sport too. Like for you, were the likes of Nina Carberry, Katie Walsh, and others like that inspiring to you to not only say that, okay, I want to do horse racing, but I can be a professional or, or, or you know, a high level person at a sport, and then you kind of took that over to MMA as well. Were those people kind of inspirational to you? Yeah, like horse racing is not like MMA. Um, it's really cutthroat. So like you don't really look up to anybody. Because wanna they want to take their jobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like that's that's the way it is. Like a young lad comes into the yard and like he's 18, but he's, you know, riding the, the pants off the older lads and the older lads hate him. And he's definitely not looking up to the older lads. He's like, hey, I'm working for Michael O'Leary. I'm making, making way more money than you. So, um, yeah, it, it, it didn't work like that. Like, I never looked up to anyone because i just seen them as, as competition. If anything, I probably looked up to some of the lads in the yard because they weren't competition. But um, I think, like, when, say, women are in certain sports, so, like, there's only certain types of women that want to fight and want to ride horses and do kind of contact sport as such, like, because riding horses is contact sport as well. Um, then that, that kind of person... I think what happens why why more people don't move over to other sports is you kind of you're like a dog with a bone and once you've dedicated yourself into something you find it really hard to leave and I remember when I told my family like I'm quitting the horses I'm done they were so shocked and like I don't think my dad ever got over it like because he got so much out of telling fellas down the pub tips on horses and he was still ringing me like two years later asking me for tips. And I said, but I don't work there anymore. What would I know? So I think that's the block that like when people are doing something and they fully committed and they've told everyone they know I'm going to be world champion. I'm going to be a top jockey. It's really hard to say, hey, guess what? That actually didn't work out for me. Um, I'm not good enough. I'm going to go do something else. I think a lot of people probably aren't brave enough to do that. And that's one of the things I'm most happy with myself that I did, that I knew it, I wasn't going to make it. So it was time to go somewhere else. And I just happened to uh, fall upon MMA. You, you spoke about your mental health as well. Did, did that help but going to MMA and then rising quickly? You know, we'll talk about the IMFs in a second, but rising to the IMFs, getting to Bellator for your, your opening fights and now obviously fighting for time. You've had setbacks along the way, don't get me wrong. But is that something like having that kind of goal, having the possibility to get to the very top, is that something that's helped your mental health as well? Yeah, like I think being as competitive as I am and like always wanting the next thing and goals and, you know, jumping like head deep into everything. I think that's probably got a really 
negative impact on my mental health. That's why, like, I, I, I fall so hard when, when it doesn't go well because I want so much for myself. And I, I'm very, it's very difficult to satisfy me. You know, I'm always looking for, for the next thing. But um, from, a mental health, from a mental health point of view, when I joined MMA, um, I'm not a psychologist or anything, but it gave me no opportunity to sit down and think about myself or think about my feelings. I was constantly training three times a day, every day. I was exhausted. I had no headspace for being depressed or being down. Uh, it, it was just a massive distraction. So for the first two years, my mental health really improved because I was too tired to be down. And uh, I had this huge distraction of being in the gym and being around people and working towards something, um, you know. But then I suppose it was years later after I lost at the IMAFs, I got the silver medal at the IMAFs. Then I was like, oh, kind of like a eureka moment, you know, uh, guess what? Like this thing you're like searching for, how do you know that's going to make you like really happy. And uh, I think now I'm older and more mature and I realise that constant searching isn't healthy. Yes, it makes you very competitive and makes you want more, but I think you should do it because you want to do it, not because it's something that's missing in your life and you need to like fill that hole in with a load of cement. I don't think that it's going to do that for you. Yeah, that that makes sense. Like the majority, I suppose, is is a is a big thing in that part of life. I want to ask you about the IMAX as well. That you mentioned them. Like I spoke to John about it. I sp- I've spoken to a lot of people about it recently. Like and how how much the IMAX help? And obviously, it's a very different structure now to what it was. You know, ten years ago or even five years ago, maybe in terms of how the amateurs come up. And I know you're heavily involved as well with the the youths in Ireland, uh, coaching them and, and bringing them up. For you, what does what did the IMAS mean to you as a fighter, but as a person who cares about MMA and, and the next generation, are, are you in favour of them? Do you want to expand them? Do you think that is the way that every young fighter should be going now? Yeah, like, before you turn pro, you have to have done the world championships, in my opinion. Like, um, you know, you're not going to be, unless you're on, like, a really low-level pro level and you're just going to fight around Ireland and England grand but if you've spent your whole amateur career fighting Irish and English people um, there's a whole whole different array of skills out there and you're not you haven't been exposed to it you haven't a clue until you go to the IMAFs like and you stand in front of this person and they're from a country you can't even pronounce it and you can't find her on Instagram or YouTube and you have absolutely no clue what she's like or what he's like and that makes a mania and uh you know, if you're not meddling at the Worlds or, you know, you're, you've are you gone to, say, two or three World Championships and you're getting knocked out in the first round every time, you probably shouldn't be turning pro because these are the lads and ladies that are going to be pros at, at the higher level down the line. Um, so, yeah, I think the main issue with the IMAFs is that it costs a lot of money and uh, you have to fundraise yourself. And, you know, I I don't really care about that. I don't really care that Sport Ireland don't support us. MMA is not big enough to give us a load of money. Even if they wanted to support us, they wouldn't be giving us much money. They're not going to get, like, a team of 50 fighters out to four tournaments a year. Like, they don't have that kind of money. So we want to be pros. We want to make money out of this. Well, you got to give sometimes to get what you need back. But to afford more than two tournaments in your amateur career, unless you've got, like big family backing or you're really good at GoFundMes you're not really going to get more than that it's going to be 1500 a time 
and uh, you want to be ready to medal when you're going out there. And then I think that gave me a lot of confidence coming home, knowing I fought a Brazilian, I fought like an Italian girl, I fought, I don't know, girl from some crazy country, some lunatic that tried to take my head off. Like that's, it, it fills you with confidence when you come home. I'm ready now to fight these these pros. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm massively in favour of, of IMAS. I just, um, you know, wish it, it probably was a little bit more affordable, but you can't make it more affordable. It's not like uh, someone's making a big pot of gold at the end of this. It costs money to fly to Bahrain, to fly to Abu Dhabi. It costs money to be bought up in a hotel and be fed. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what I feel about that. It's tough, isn't it? Because, we, we, you know, we talk about which direction does pe- do people go on MMA? Do they go that route or maybe go earlier and go to Cage Warriors or something like that? And then there isn't that much pay there, but like it's going to cost you either way. So I suppose, you know, you, ha- you, you, have to, uh, you have to pay the cost to be the boss. Isn't that what they say? But uh, yeah. coming into your pro career then and starting off in Bellator, like there was a time there where there was a, a few people who made their pro debut in Bellator and we we're kind of thinking, oh, this is going to be the norm now. And it really hasn't. You know, you, you were one of the, of a few who, who were able to do it at the time and had a great start to your career. I know you talked to, to my colleague Ian O'Neill over in Severe and you said that you feel like you didn't get the respect you deserved for that run. And it was a great run. And I know, like, we were there at all those fights and watching them and, you know, talking about you. But is that something that kind of... In, look, in Bellator, they didn't have the division. I remember I won the press conference, I asked you about, you know, do you want to win another couple of fights and go to the UFC? Which probably wasn't very well uh, taken by Bellator at the time, but that must have been tough, like, to, for Bellator not to have the division, for them to keep throwing the best women at, around Europe at you, and then to have really no goal on the top of it because they didn't have the division. It was it went well for you, but it felt like there were a lot of negatives in the background of that as well. Yeah, well... I guess, first of all, what you said about not getting the recognition. So when I got the silver medal in the IMAFs, um, you know, I didn't get a lot of recognition for that. Um, And maybe because MMA wasn't as big back then in 2017, maybe they didn't talk about it. But I I was the only person that fought in the final that year. I was the only person. And uh, I think if that was a lad, it would have been different. I felt like I was kind of overlooked. I wasn't overlooked by like, kind of the, um, like the, the most people that actually covered it was people from a horse racing like the Irish field and all this like they really got behind me but um, yeah I, I came back with my silver medal and there, there wasn't a whole lot said whereas nowadays when people win medals uh, they're big stars and they're talking about their pro career like they're already UFC world champions um, so then when I turned pro and I went into Bellator I fought in, in a promotion that didn't have my division and I also fought on a night with 10 or 12 other lads from the gym um, and I'm from Mullingar I, I don't have a huge following I'm not from Dublin so a lot of the audience didn't know who I was either so um, yeah I went like 5-0 and um you know, didn't care at the time at all whether people were watching or not. But it was then when I lost, I was like, oh, now I've lost. People are like, oh, push, move past her. Who's the next one? And like the next one they'd be talking about is some amateur that's like won a medal out in the IMAFs and hasn't even had a pro fight. And I'm, you know, you, you, you get old and you get cross and you're like, for fuck's sake, like I lost two fights and now I'm just washed under the carpet and I'm done, forget about me. So, 
yeah, that was that was kind of irritating um, at the time. Like looking back now, last year when I was having a hard time with with having two losses, I was a bit bit annoyed about that. But you know, I was so lucky. Uh, John, you know, really gave me and Kieran Clark like this huge leg up, like in life. So you know, he really took us under our wing. Uh, from going amateur to pro and you know he says we work really hard we're from the country we don't have a lot of money you know and these are things like he likes the way we present ourselves and we don't have big egos and wear watches and bring designer handbags into the gym and he really gave us a chance and uh, got us those big contracts in in Bellator and I can't be more grateful for that so I never want to seem ungrateful for the opportunity I got in Bellator because from John from Bellator itself and from anyone that did support me I'm so so grateful but um when you know now I, I'm moving on to to a different different chapter in my life. I didn't feel frustrated when I was in there at all. Sure, how could you feel frustrated? You're knocking up a record and your bank balance is getting bigger all the time. So there was nothing to be frustrated about. It was, I guess when I lost, I got frustrated. I thought, you know, and going back to what we're saying about the IMAFs, these losses are so important at pro, like it can't happen. Like you can't get loads of losses because then your road is so much longer. So to know when you turn pro, you're going to keep your O as long as you possibly can. Well, that is your best chance of getting into Bellator, PFL, whatever, UFC. You can't be going out and losing your first fight or losing two or three fights um, in a row or whatever. Like, that's it. It's, it's kind of done at that stage. Yeah, it, it's true as well. And it, it is a long road back as well. And, you know, when you said you had a bit, big kind of athletic career before that, that's tough. No one writes for free as well. Like, you know, in, in terms of taking all that damage and everything, it's, it's very, very tough. But as well, 2017 severe Irish female fighter of the year. So knows some people did. Some people were there. Some people knew what was going on as well. So uh, moving over to Invicta, though, like uh, when I saw you sign up for Invicta, I, I, it was it was brilliant uh, because you know that that pad is there. Like you love to see people have this set like let's say if someone's going to ultimate fight or no you win three fights in a row you're there you're in the UFC you're a champion Invicta you go there you, you, you've only had one fight and you're in a, a title fight but you know you win that maybe one more and you're in the UFC straight away it's great to have that structure was that a big part of going to Invicta for you because I know there's lots of other places at the moment looking for fighters and I remember I was talking to, to Shannon Knapp uh, after you were signed and she was saying if there's any more women in Ireland let me know and I, I'll be signing so they're mad, they're mad looking for women coming through but the fact that they've signed you and pushed you so quickly after that great win obviously it must be great to have not just a great promotion, but a promotion that's pushing you forward. Yeah, like uh, Shannon said the same thing to me after the fight. If you know any other Irish girls, will you send them our way? So she's she's mad for the Irish girls. Um, and to be honest, my eyes wasn't set on Invicta. I was happy to go anywhere. Um, LFA, Kambacha, Invicta, like they all have roots to the UFC. Once you're the champion, um, you, you get in. So I said to my manager, I'm, I'm not fussy. I don't care. I just want... Um, to go somewhere that's got a straw weight belt not because I really care about belts to be honest but because I know that's uh, a way of get, going into the UFC so Invicta were the first ones to jump at it and now I am actually really happy I'm in Invicta because I love the promotion and I like the way they, they set it up and that but um, back in my Bellator days 
all I thought about was win another fight, win another fight, win another fight, next fight, next fight, next fight, UFC, UFC. That's all I thought about. I didn't like stop and smell the roses at any point. I didn't, you know, pat myself in the back and say, oh, you're 3-0, and you're 2-0, and whatever. This is great. I just kept looking forward. And when I was an amateur, I used to think about being a UFC champion before I even had a fight. So I don't think that's healthy. And I am glad Invicta has this structure that I could get into the UFC. And, you know, one of my lifelong goals is to be a fighter in the UFC. Another goal is to be a top 10 fighter in the UFC. And another goal is to be a world champion. But if you're just thinking about being a UFC world champion, and you don't watch what's happening all the way along the, the, the road, um, I think you're going to be very sad at the end of it, whether it happens or not. You're going to say, Jesus, I wish I took in Bellator more. I wish I took in whatever. So, yeah, I, I am happy Invicta have got a sure path for me to go to the UFC. And don't get me wrong, if uh, I win this fight in two and a half, in three weeks' time, I'm going to be asking my manager, hey, get me into the UFC right now. Um, but... I'm really trying to just think about this fight. I'm trying not to think ahead because of my mental health. I want to know, like, I took this in and I enjoyed this process and I was so happy to be in an Invicta. I didn't sit in Invicta thinking UFC, UFC, because that's what I did when I was in Bellator. When I had 11,000 people looking at me in Dublin, I was thinking about the fucking UFC. It's ridiculous, you know. So if I have any advice to anybody out there any young fighters starting off just take it in because you know you don't know what's around the corner so just enjoy it if you're winning fights bloody be happy to with yourself it's true I, I suppose what is just around the corner is, is Valeska Machado and you're watching a few of her fights last night she's a very good fighter you know a very very good fighter fighting you know uh, with uh, I think she'd pitbull in her, her corner in one of the fights and, and kind of fights like Pitbull does a little bit I think throws those big shots you know is well able to kind of wait for someone that's very confident in there when you watch her and watch her tape what, what, what is kind of the thing that stands out to you and what is the thing that I suppose you think maybe could expose in her game as well yeah so like I obviously look at things she's good at and I look at things that I think I can capitalise on um, you know I think she is a she's a slick striker but she's not aggressive she doesn't put a pace on she's a slick counter striker if she thinks she's losing she'll come forward and she'll throw big shots um, so that that's her strength and uh, fair play to her but um, from her weaknesses point of view she doesn't seem to have a lot of gas she doesn't really like to grapple unless she thinks she's losing and then she'll shoot takedown um, she generally likes winning fights by points and uh, staying away and hopefully landing a few big shots and just staying up on the points. And she is good at that. So uh, I think it's actually a really good match for me. Um, you know, I'm not not at all worried about her. Um, I'm worried that I might get frustrated in the first round if she's counter-striking well and keeping her distance. But I know uh, deep down... Oh, there we go. I, we <laughs> I, called that beforehand. We, <laughs> we did well. I yeah, got we, too excited. I must have got too close to it. You got a half but, an hour uh, in anyway. Went well. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's all right. Um, yeah, I, I, I think in the first round, don't be surprised if we see her being super slick, counter-striking, um, you know, and maybe, maybe I don't win the first round. But I think after that... I think it's just going to be like downhill for her for 25 minutes. She doesn't like a pace. She doesn't like um, pressure. 
you know, we've seen that in the tournament with her. Probably the worst she fought was in the tournament with two fighters that walked walked her down. She she looked the worst in those fights. She's looked better in other fights before that. So um, kind of the blueprints there for her. Uh, but obviously I, I fully respect her and I don't want to uh, get caught silly or anything like that as as um, one of my boxing coaches says that. He got caught silly there. Don't be getting caught silly. So uh, I'll be thinking about that in, in the first and second round when she's explosive. And um, as the fight goes on, I just think it's going to be a good night for me. And uh, she's going to have her tongue hanging out in the corner. Mm. So it's one of those fights you're expecting the five-round pace to be on your side, to push that pace until she can't push it anymore. Is that the type of way you're going into this? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I, I think she knows that. Like, you know, I don't think I'm giving her... I think she knows looking back at my fights, the minute the bell goes, like it goes fast and hard and it continues for 15 minutes. And usually when I'm sitting down in my corner, I'm looking across and they have their hands in their head and their hands and they're exhausted. And, you know, I'm jumping up and down the other side, ready to go 10 seconds before the bell's gone. And that's in a 15 minute fight. So uh, 25 minutes, like it's, I just think it's all in my favor. I think like all the cards are like, fallen for me and um i just need to perform and show up but uh, i really think it's a real possibility i beat her uh, I, i'm really looking forward to i can't wait the last question i want to ask you is there's there's been a lot of talk about invicta maybe coming to ireland you know and maybe there's an opponent or two on the undercard i know we don't you don't like to talk about them sometimes but we will we'll ignore them for a second but is invicta coming to ireland and you winning the title and then defending it maybe in ireland in a big fight something that is another one of those goals for you because as I said usually promotions kind of shy away from that they'll oh yeah we'll go but Invicta seemed to actually want to do it to have a big fight in Ireland is that something you'd love to do as well to headline a big fight in Ireland for Invicta like real like I'm, I'm a realist and realistically I don't think they're coming to Ireland um, they've never left America and it's a lot closer for them probably to go other places than go to Ireland um, they also have open scoring um, and they only go to certain states in America because they're the only states that agree to that. So what would happen? What do you know? If they came to Ireland, could they have open scoring or would that rule have to change? If they, so if they, well, what Bellator do is they bring over their own commission and they use like the rules that they use. Maybe they could play like, the, I know it's Kansas to a lot of the open scoring. Maybe they could bring the Kansas commission over some of their judges and have the open scoring there. Look, it is unlikely, I would say, but they, they seem to be open to it. And, you know, they've never had you before and they've never had, you, you know, the, the Irish, all the Irish uh, support, I suppose, before. And that's the thing. Like, yeah. people love the Irish like, support. I think Bellator have, like, really blazed the trail there and everyone else seems to be jumping on the bandwagon like, oh, they're all making money in this three arena. We can all do it. So, yeah, like... It'd be great if they came, but uh, you know, to be totally honest, I like getting on a plane and flying away and uh, get my job done. We own a gym here in Mullingar, and uh, one downside of Bellator is you still have to sell all these tickets, and um, you have to bring all these people with you, and you have to answer messages and phone calls, and you know, fight week can be intense, and um, going away and getting on a plane it's way, way easier night for me to do that. And now, you know, like America take 40% of my purse. That's the only negative. So um, I wouldn't get that 40% cut if I was uh, fighting in Ireland. But yeah, look, I'm easy. If they want to come to Ireland and we make it in a historic event, whatever, great. But if it doesn't happen and I end up fighting 
in Invicta maybe once more after this fight or I end up going to the UFC, then I'm happy with that too. So, you know, I don't get too carried away with these things. Like, uh, it's easy talk, but it's different when you'd have to fly over a commission and all your team and you'd have to rent out the three arena. Like, no offence to Invicta, but like they're hiring out real work studios, which I don't know, holds like a thousand people. They're not hiring out massive stadiums in America. So to come over to Ireland and spend the money they'd have to spend to come here to try and hire out the three arena, then that's a whole new thing for them that they haven't done before. So, and I'm not shitting on Invicta at all. They're, no, it's really realistic. Got, yeah, that's true. They've got a full pro card. They have to pay us all and they have to fly us out there and the Brazilians have to be flown in and, you know, Jesus, their their numbers must be tight, like, and they're doing the very best they can. So, yeah, like, that that's kind of it. No, I don't know. No, I, I might sound no, negative. No, I can't help Friend. being a realist. Like, I can't. I, I just don't like talking shit. Like, fair enough. In- you yeah, no, you are you are dead right in fairness, but. Do you know what? Maybe with the when you get to the UFC, you'll have a fight back in Ireland if they come back as well. So, uh, Danny, I appreciate the time very much. Best of luck in the fight. I know all Ireland is behind you, and uh, it'd be great to have another. Uh, well, unbiased here, but be great to have another Irish uh, world champion. So, best of luck in, in the fight coming up, Danny. Thank you, thanks, Sean. I really appreciate, it and I appreciate you guys always. And uh, did you say was I female fighter of the year in 2017? You are, yeah. Was I really? I yeah. can't remember that. I like I must have blocked that out of my memory. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. okay, right. Well, I'll get you now. So if I was, which mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I was, because I don't remember it. Where's my plaque? Come on. We only, we, well, so this is on Sherdog, so this, this is Sphere of Medoc, but we only started the plaques last year. So oh, if, that's not good enough. Uh, no, yeah, no, I know. No, no, no. Yeah, but. No, no, no. I don't believe it until I see the plaque. Oh, God. So uh, if you're around now, it's probably not going to happen in a week. Yeah. I'll give you like a few months, uh, maybe two months <laughs> to get the plaque. Get, get on to Graham there to get that plaque started. That's not, uh, that's not up to me at all. I, 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 I'll stay out of that one. But uh, yeah, I'm looking at it here. SevieraMed.com forward awards 2017 you were Danny Nealon at the time but uh, Danny McCormick God well I I obviously didn't take it in enough that I don't remember but you know I pay my Patreon every month so that'll pay yes. for that plaque. There okay, all right. We'll, we'll get you a plaque. So we get, look, if you, you win that fight in two weeks, you won't be only having one plaque. You'll be having two plaques more than likely. So Yeah, well, I, even with my belt, I'll still be looking for that plaque. Okay, I'm not going to let this go now. Oh, well, that's a promise. So you win you win that fight, I'll have two plaques for you at the end of the next year. Well, people have to vote on next year's one. But Danny, appreciate the time. Thanks very much for having you on. Best looking in the fight. <laughs> Deadly, thanks.